Welcome to Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where we connect authors with new listeners and provide advice to aspiring authors on the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter. So hi there, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to the Authors of the Pacific Northwest. And today I have the privilege of introducing you to Ginny Shortridge. So Ginny, say hello to the listeners. Hello, everybody. So Jenny, I am so happy to have you on the podcast. Um, you have quite a volume of books that we get to talk about, and you might not know everything about me, but I just finished my first manuscript. Congratulations, and that's thank, huge. Thank you. In two years, I did it. Well, said I was going to do it, but it, and the podcast uh, listeners have followed me along the journey as I've introduced authors um, to them. So I'm very impressed with your body of work. So thank we'll you. get there. But first, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Let's start with what state in the Pacific Northwest you live in. I live in Washington, so I'm in Seattle, Washington. I'm Ah. up on one of the hills, and I have a lovely view and lots of trees around me. Oh, beautiful. There's nothing better than the view in Seattle on a beautiful sunny day like today is. Exactly. As we record, but when you come out, we'll still have some decent weather when your podcast comes out. But yeah, I love Seattle. I'm south of you quite a bit. Oh, where are you? I'm down closer to Vancouver. Oh, yeah. I love that. Well, I, I'm a Portland girl, too. So Ah, so you know you know the well. Yeah. So I'm in the Longy Kelso area. So I always say Vancouver because people know where that's at. Just like everybody outside of Washington thinks that we say Washington, we're from Seattle. Right. <laughs> right? So, so um, give us a little background about your history. of um, or Have you always been a full-time author? Did you have a day job? You got to move to be an author? Kind of walk us through that. Right. No, I'm really a latecomer to the writing, uh, to the writing, you know, work as work. I uh, always was a writer from the time I was a little kid. I loved reading and then I loved writing my own stories. And then I, um, I left home at 17 because I lived in a kind of troublesome household that was difficult. And so because I started to uh, support myself at that time, I just got any job I could. But I ended up in business and I did a lot of writing in business. And again, I just, for some reason, I'm just so drawn to it. And I liked it so much that I'd be, I think I was good at it, you know, without education or anything. Then when I was about 35, I was really burning out on my, what became a corporate career, really burning out. Oh, I have and no idea what you're talking about. No, <laughs> and I think 35 is such yes. a that number does hit, and then you're well, like, kinda. oh, yeah. And then you get in the 40s, you're like, oh, I really got to get moving on this. <laughs> yeah, so I really had to make a change, and um, I was lucky enough to be able to figure it out again for myself. My husband said, just, you know, let's let's start over with you and see what you want to do. And I knew what it was, but I just didn't trust that I could do it. Like, who really believes they can be a writer? Exactly. Or, living, or yeah. a part of the living anyway. It's not the most lucrative thing all the time, but... So I just uh, started taking classes mm-hmm. and writing a lot of stuff. And I sometimes you get beginner's luck a couple of times, you know, when you're starting out. Like immediately I got an essay in Mademoiselle Magazine, which is gone now. But this oh, is but that's so cool. I hope you Back in the 90s, it. right? Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. If you, cool. listeners don't know what that is, it was a very cool, it was a cool magazine. magazine. A young woman's magazine. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> yes. And uh, so that was lucky. And then I got a short story published. And then a publisher contacted me and said we love this short story but we'd love to see it as a novel and so I completely lied and said oh you know I'm already working on that I would love to send it to you when I'm done that's awesome (laughs) yeah so this is what you have to do you have to have kind of hubris and uh, hustle (laughs) 
So I did write that novel and it wasn't very good, but I did learn a lot from it. And I kind of put it in a drawer and began writing a new one. <laughs> that was better. I was better then. And yeah, that, yeah. the whole process, you know, from beginning the pro- from beginning out trying to be a writer or being a writer, I was freelancing now all the time, by the way, for magazines. I, I kind of mm-hmm. got that going. But writing a novel was my heart thing that I really yeah. wanted to do. So I would just write a little bit of that every day. And so from zero to publication on the first novel was seven years. Oh, wow. Definitely a seven-year process. And the Malcolm Gladwell thing of 10,000 hours totally applied to my process. And then I kind of published every couple of years. So, I mean, I think I really learned what I was doing, which was good, and then just kind of kept publishing and trying to keep publishing books that the readers I was, you know, developing would be interested in. And my publisher was really encouraging that. And I published five between five books between 2003 and 2014. And then I kind of thought, this isn't exactly what I want to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) Reinvent again. (laughs) So I I just, you know, I had to, there many things started happening in the world and with me. And I just felt like it's time to make another change. And I've been working since that time, most of that time anyway, on a memoir that's a really uh-huh. difficult memoir about mm-hmm. um, childhood. And mm-hmm. you know that I said that I had that difficult household yeah. I had to leave. Yeah. So, um, and everyone's writing a memoir and I know that. Um, but I feel that this is a book that I have to write for me and my family, my sisters for the most part. And then, um, you know, if, if, it, if it's good enough for publication or if readers want to read it, then so be it. That would yeah. be great, but that will be icing at this point. Um, and it doesn't mean I don't want to keep writing novels after I write it, but it's just, it's a difficult book to write. So that's what I'm doing. I totally get that. Um, I think there is a memoir or a historical fiction based on my life a little bit somewhere down the road, but it may take me a lifetime to get there. <laughs> yeah. And that's writing. Writing takes time. And that's something people don't understand. They think it's just a book a year or something is like, Oh, my oh God. gosh, <laughs> no, I discovered quickly that it is so much more than that. You know, it really takes a lot out of us. So I'm quite impressed though. Did it get easier from that first book as you started producing, you know, writing another book and another book? Did it ever get easier? It didn't really, each book had what just, it felt like my first book all over again. Although <laughs> I say that, but yet it would take me two years to write instead of yeah, seven yeah. to get it all the way to the way where it could be published. Yeah. So it always starts out feeling like I have no idea what I'm doing. Every fresh okay. start, every yeah. time I start something, still, every time I start something new, and often in the middle of the process, yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I love and it. Just a beginner all over again, and I'll always be a beginner, I think. Well, that's that's exciting and encouraging for me because when I talk to authors like you that have done this, you know, over and over again, and to hear that there's still that self-doubt each time that I'm like, okay, I don't have to be the expert. I just have to keep going. And because I have this huge need of performance to be the expert and I have learned to have to let that go, but it's a little, it's challenging to just let it go. So it is because you also want people to think, to to really value you as a writer and believe you're a writer. So you want to kind of have that, you know, like I do know what I'm talking about because we do know what we're talking about. Yeah. Just putting it into practice again. Yeah. It's just a very complex kind of thing to try to do. 
It certainly is. And it's so funny because our stories are a tad bit similar in a lot of things. Um, but the I love the fact that your husband said, let's just see what you want to do. My husband was the instr- instrumental um, catalyst to me starting to actually say I'm a writer. And because um, I was writing in the closet for yeah. years, like he fell in love with me from writing. We didn't have um, email then phones and we were separated for a while. I was living in Portland and he was living up north. And so it was letters. And so he knew I was a writer and he fell in love with it. But then kids came and life came and it all just, you know, went aside and I got a career and love my career. I'm in higher ed, write all the time, different kinds of writing, right? But I'm writing. Um, and then I decided that um, my our kids had grown up. And um, moved out of the house, last one flew the nest. And I was like, okay, I'm either going to go get my doctorate because that's, you know, the next step in my career or do something else. And he's like, don't waste money on a doctorate, you know, go and write, write your novel. And I sat on that for a while and I'm like, you're right. So I started it and then, but I had no author community around me that I knew of. So I was isolated like many authors are when they start. And so I started asking people, found this vibrant community around me, started asking them questions. And that started my thinking of, there's must be more people like me that need to hear this. So I started a podcast. The next time I woke up and said, I'm going to start a podcast. And I was like, <laughs> what? You don't even know how to do that. And I'm like, I'm going to learn. <laughs> He's like, okay, if it's going to help you get your book out, let's do it. And so um, I have, so two years, two years of the writing and the podcast, and it's been such an awesome journey. So, um, but I am encouraged to hear from you that it doesn't really get easier each time because I have lots of self-doubts too. About all this. It's hard every time, but I do think we learn lessons that sometimes we forget to remember and until we really need it as well. So you can stumble a little still, but you you do know more each time, but it's just, it's just, it's never not hard. I love it. How wonderful. Alrighty. So I love to ask this question. So us as authors have told 101 times that you need to be a really avid reader as well. So what is on Jenny's bookshelf that you're reading right now? Oh, I love the pop question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll always get great answers from writers. I think. I know it could be well, anything too. I would never know. Right. Right. You can just make it. Make it up. <laughs> I have this book sitting next to me. It's this one. <laughs> well, what's so funny in this world is I think that there's this thing that you have to be reading the latest book that's yeah. just out. And I just feel like, especially as a writer who has five books out there, I just feel like, well, wait a minute. You know, why do you have to? There's so many books out there. We can dive back into things. Especially like when I like one writer, I want to go back in and read more and more mm-hmm. of their books. If I find a writer that writes a series, I guarantee you, and I love the first book, I'm going to be in it. Yeah, long haul. <laughs> exactly. So, and I've always done that, even as a kid. So, yeah. um, I've had a little bit of a tangent with Jessamine Ward, who oh, writes yeah. really beautiful books. Her writing is fantastic. About um, their novels, the ones I've read so far are her novels. Um, and the last one I read was Sing Unburied Sing, mm-hmm. and it's about Black experience, um, mm-hmm. being a Black person in America. And Sing Unburied Sing is about it weaves um, slavery into modern day and a family that's kind of broken and a kid. Of course, it's always whenever books are centered around a kid that's kid. like 12, 13. Yeah. Um, but this kid is um, right in the middle of a bunch of hard stuff. His parents, you know, do drugs and but he's got a great grandfather and grandmother and all these things. So it's, it's a beautiful read. It just carries you away. Um, and I also had the 
great good fortune. Sometimes you get to read advanced copies when you're, yeah, a, yep. when you're a writer, and I yep. bet you get to read a lot of advanced copies. I don't get as much as I would like. <laughs> This one is just coming out in mid-July. So it's called Hamnet, like H-A-M-N-E-T. Okay. By the great English um, novelist Maggie O'Farrell. And its premise is, it's about Shakespeare's wife. Yeah, I've, I've been following this, yeah. actually. Yeah, because my book, my book is around Shakespearean time. Oh, my goodness. And so... You're getting to read the advanced copy. Lucky. I read it. It's so good. Is, is it good? Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, it's unusual. And I liked that it's unusual. Sometimes when I read a book that doesn't follow, like, you know, a novel and a protagonist in a novel mm -hmm. should mm -hmm. grow and change and do this yeah. and that. And, you know, there's these arcs and stuff. This book is a little different than that. Although the, definitely it's a journey for everybody involved. You know, what she Basically, the setup is that um, Shakespeare and his wife had a son who passed away young named Hamnet. And after that, he wrote the play Hamlet. Ah. And apparently in that time, those two names were pretty much the same. Yes. People thought of them as the same name. Phenomenous, yeah. And so um, he, uh, so that's really fascinating, you know, because we've got a little bit of history that's pulling the story through. But everyone's always wondered, as you know, about Shakespeare's wife, like, what was the deal there? Why yeah. didn't they live together? Well, she was that much older than him. And, you know, yeah. So, and why didn't he, yeah, why didn't he come back from London more often too? A lot of intrigue around Shakespeare, his time, his life too. And even some mystery about if he actually wrote half of his work <laughs> is fascinating to me, you know, that we are still talking about him. <laughs> Five years later. Who wouldn't want to be an author like that? <laughs> but he's not getting the royalties. So. No, no, no. And you know what? He didn't get too much either when he was alive. So such a great lesson. You do it because you love it, right? <laughs> that is true. The whole pay thing is really, I think it is surprised about the, that as well. It is. It is. Well, awesome. What a great, I, I'm actually waiting for that book to come out because I want to see how she handles that time period because I am writing in the Queen Elizabeth the first time area, but I'm not writing on the court or Shakespeare because there's those are the two books that everything's about Queen Elizabeth's court or Shakespeare or Queen Elizabeth murder mystery around her court. <laughs> Mine's following just a young lady transforming in her life during that time. So a very unorthodox gal. So it's interesting. So I can't wait to read. I love to read anything in that time period. I was really, you know, I always am fascinated to like, how, how are they going to know the details? And so yeah. the way she handles it. I think you'll love because it's the simpler, the better. Yeah. And that's kind of what, so I have a huge, well, not a huge writer group, but a very um, prolific, awesome writer group that I work with and they've been reading straight through. Um, and they have commented over and over again that I'm not getting lost in the details and they're grateful for that because it it's really driven by the character and the dialogue. I'm a dialogue writer. Yeah. I love dialogue. I mean, if I'm reading a book and it doesn't have dialogue, I'm just like, eh, skip past it. Let's find the dialogue. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyways, okay. Enough about me, more about you. Um, so you, uh, you took us well, take us through your titles and your genre. Now, are, is it all the same genre or did you jump around or just share that with us? Well, you know, because of who I published with with the first book, um, it was a it was back in the early 2000s. You have to remember. <laughs> and there was this kind of new wave of women's fiction. Some people are calling it chiclet, but that was really way more about really young characters as it turned yeah. out. 
there are all these things. And so it basically over time just became women's fiction. Mm -hmm. But there were also two kinds of women's fiction, not two kinds, but there are two kind of levels um, in publishing. And one is kind of the light, fast read. You know, you zip through them. They're like candy or popcorn. You love them. They're fun. They might have a... A, topic, a topical topic in them, but they might, they're not so heavy, you know, they're, yeah, yeah. and then there's what they call upmarket fiction. Mm -hmm. Now it's kind of like the Oprah book. Yeah. The slightly serious, more treatment of the, of the issues in the book. And so that's pretty solidly where mine lay. A lot of people call that genre book club books. Like yeah. That. Reese Witherspoon's book club, Oprah book club, anybody that gets the opportunity as our good friend did who introduced us. <laughs> Erica, right, Erica. Um, had that opportunity. Thank you, Erica, for interviewing yeah. Um, But yeah, so that's just one of those moments where you're just like, you know, those book clubs are great. But, you know, I do follow a couple of those. I'm not always a big fan of all the, the book not. selections. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. As a writer, I'm not. <laughs> I wasn't of Oprah's, and I have to say I'm yeah. not of Reese's either. Yeah, I mean, I like some, and I don't yeah. like them. Yeah, but I'm not like, oh, I'm dying for this book. That's good, though, right? Because yeah, we each yeah. have such individual tastes, and there are books for every writer, and not every book, I mean reader, and yeah. not every book is for every reader. And that's so true. And You have to know that as a writer. Yeah, you do. You kill yourself reading your reviews. Well, <laughs> and, and that and that's so true. And that's something a lot of people, you know, there's this big debate that goes out there for new writers or authors like myself. We hear all the time, either write for a reader or don't write for a reader, write for yourself. And it can be a very conflicting um, feeling. You feel a little bit spastic when you get all this advice. So anyway, listen to the podcast that you know me, I tell you all the time, follow your own heart and your own advice um, because we'll get a lot of it. There is some great advice out there, but it's so few and far between, I feel like. So. And, it's, and first, you don't know which is which, which is no. the advice, which is like, no, don't do that. You know? <laughs> so you do. It's just a journey for all of us. Yeah. I went through all that same learning curve as well. We all go through it. And the more people you talk to, the more comfortable you get. With, yeah. I can trust my own intuition on this. If advice resonates for me and the project I'm working on, great. I'm going to take it because it feels right to me. Yep. If I go, oh, okay, I'll yeah, it, yeah. Then you probably yeah. shouldn't do that. Okay, so we sidetracked. Um, uh, we didn't get the titles. We talked about the genre, which I love the discussion about the genre because it's important for me and for my listeners. There's a lot of um, people that listen that are aspiring authors or writers like myself. So it's such great information for us. But tell us your titles. <laughs> my first book ever was called Riding with the Queen. Did you want me to describe Yeah, them? just tell us a little bit about I'll them. Briefly, if I can remember now. They're all <laughs> <laughs> if not, my listeners will go to your website and find it. So no worries. <laughs> Riding with the Queen was about um, this... Uh, this young woman who had um, grown up with a mom with mental illness and kind of who was quite sick when she was a teenager. And so the, the young woman leaves home early. It was a little bit, that wasn't kind of my life story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The story is not autobiographical, but the book isn't about then. It's about when she comes back home to deal with everything she kind of left behind when she's 35 now. And her oh, mother, yeah. who's bipolar, actually has been on medication and is doing okay. And now it's really the daughter who has more problems. Yeah. So they kind of come back together. And so it's that collision of mother daughter story. And I find that, you know, lo and behold, I write a lot of mother daughter stories. <laughs> I do try. I do too. My theme is very much centered around that as well. The conflicts. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, a lot of us do. <laughs> the next book was, is called eating heaven. 
And it was about, um, from my magazine writing experience, it was about a large and lonely food magazine writer who um, had to write, lighten up your French favorite kind of recipe articles to make a living. But yet she was, she was actually um, a, uh, a, 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 oh, now I'm going to forget the word. It's for an overeater, someone who's a compulsive eater. It's oh, actually, yeah. You know, it's actually a, a disorder, eating disorder, yeah. love compulsive eating. And so her uncle gets sick with um, pancreatic cancer and she becomes his caregiver. And she starts feeding him all his favorite foods kind of one last time as he's passing. And she's, she's dealing with her issues um, about food at the same time. And there are recipes, of course, in the book. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> when I toured the book, I took with me an easy, not an easy bake oven, but something like an easy bake oven and bake cookies at every reading. Oh, that's so The cookie recipe was in the book. <laughs> so, I bet that was a blast. It was fun, I have to say. <laughs> uh, and then the next book I wrote was Love and Biology at the Center of the Universe. Mm. This is the story of a woman at midlife um, when she finds out her husband has been having an emotional affair mm-hmm. at best. She's mm-hmm. not sure if it's been anything more than that. She basically freaks out mm-hmm. and she too runs away from home. <laughs> She's living down on the uh, Oregon coast and she just gets in a car in her bathrobe and just takes off and hightails it. And she ends up in Seattle. Oh, that's hilarious. a little tiny dog. And, um, and she just pulls up, her car breaks down, and she sees a coffee shop, and it has a help wanted sign, and that is her new life. That's so it's cool. her, it was pretty That's fun. Cool. And the center of the universe, if you're from the Seattle area, is a little part of town called Fremont. Yes, so I love that. In Fremont, and yeah. so it's about her coming to grips with midlife and her sexuality and her marriage. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was kind of me at that point in my life. <laughs> Although I didn't do any of those things, probably it's happened to me. But you deal it out, right? You know, what if I did this? In your forties, it's like, what's going on? I'm experiencing that. I'm not impressed now. And then the next book I wrote was inspired by a newspaper article when I lived in Portland, Oregon, about a um, Vietnam vet raising his little girl in the woods in in Forest Park, off the grid. Oh, I remember. And the police discovered them. Or, or actually someone else discovered them and the police went in guns a blazing, not blazing, but with all their armor, mm-hmm. thinking that this was a guy who was, you know, had this girl held captive and all this stuff. And lo and behold, he was, it was his daughter. And he yeah, was yeah. homeless. Yeah. And so, so I fictionalized it, but I did a lot of research um, and I worked with a sergeant on the police case. Oh, that's cool. So I got all the info, man, and it was so cool. And so the book is called When She Flew, and it's about – I updated it. It's an Iraq War vet at the time it was updated. Yeah, yeah. A little girl, and they're living in the woods, and um, a policewoman is on the force that goes in uh, to bring them out. And so she kind of does what that sergeant did in the real case, and she kind of – she realizes that this is a good relationship between the father and daughter, and the worst thing to do would be to put them – to break them up mm-hmm. and put her in the system. And so she – she kind of helps him in ways she should not really. I so love it. I love cool. the human aspect of that. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I was just so captivated by the story. Mm-hmm. And then my last book, the last one I had published is called Love Water Memory. And mm-hmm. that again is from a newspaper article that I read about a guy in Tacoma who went missing. Mm-hmm. And uh, his wife, he just took off one day, said he'd be back in a few hours and his, he didn't come back. And she couldn't find him for like six weeks. And then her brother called her and said, you're, you know, I can't remember the real guy's name. He's on TV here in Denver. 
And they're saying, this is a John Doe. He has amnesia. Can you help us identify him? And so now there is a condition called dissociative fugue. And oh. that's what he had. And it's, it's, um, it's amnesia caused by emotional trauma. Oh, okay. So I was, again, fascinated. And so yeah, yeah. I did a ton of research, not just about them, but about a lot of cases. It's pretty rare, but I wanted to write about it. So I um, switched it up, and I, I have a female character who goes missing, and her fiancé, and they live in Seattle, um, and he discovers her. He finds her the same way, basically, but she's in San Francisco. I love it. Well, the two things that I love about what you were talking about, particularly the last two books that you mentioned, is that you did a lot of research. So I'm a librarian by trade. And so I'm working on a a whole course for authors on researching and collecting research and organizing it. The two big time killers in writing is, I feel like, research and organization. Um, Anyway, side note. But um, I love the fact that you found those stories from reading an article that triggered I tell authors all the time, you never know when an account or like a photograph or something like that will just trigger this idea that you have to run with, but then you have to do all the research on it too, you know, so. I love the research so much that I I love doing it. So I'm addicted to researching. I know a lot of authors aren't. (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah. Some people like hate it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've I've researched every book, even the first three I had to do because I was, you know, I had a policewoman in one. I had a, you know, I have them doing things that I have no idea about. So I have to. Oh, I love it. That's so great. Well, I applaud you for doing that. I applaud you for loving it and not getting sidetracked. And you yeah. still the story. Because that's sidetracked me because I'm fascinated. But yeah, yeah. You know, the other, I will just say one thing is you have to learn how to write the research into your book, like you said, and not put too much detail in and yeah. make it just, a, just your research be the story. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a research project that gets published or maybe self-published. I don't know, but it's not, it can happen. I know I've read a few. Yeah. We are. Okay, so speaking of publish, you're, you're traditional published um, with all your books? Yep. And the first four were with one publisher, and then I really wanted to make a change. And so, and I also wanted to change my agent at the time. Oh, that's the so next question I was going to ask. Left and then got you know, went to auction with the next book and yeah. got a new publisher and it was really a successful move. That's a super long time though. Like three books be with the same agent and four, four agent, four books of an agent. That's from my research. I don't know this yet because I'm working. That's my next angle, right? Is learning all that. But that seems like an awfully long time from what I understand. Am I accurate? It's yeah. Not this says it hardly happens at all. And mm-hmm. um, the thing was, I should have probably changed my situation after two books. Gotcha. I think the writing was on the wall, and I wasn't confident at the time. Yeah, yeah. and um, so I let it go too long. That's well, pure but you mind. learned. You know, you learned, and you can share that wisdom with others. Yeah, and I believe everything is about timing in the universe, anyways, right? So now you're in a different situation. So, but that's great. So I'm glad to hear that. That that because um, yeah, I'm in that process of the agent hunt. I'm not even narrow. I'm making my Santa Claus list right now of who I may consider approaching, knowing that they may never read my letter <laughs> kind of thing. So, okay. Okay. Well, let's do this. Why don't we set the stage for your reading um, and share with the listeners, which one you're going to read from and whatever backstory you need to add or about the characters. I'm going to go quiet while you do that. And then when you're done, I'll take us out of the podcast. If I don't have any questions, sometimes oh. questions afterwards. <laughs> Well, I wanted to read from Love, Water, Memory, um, and because it's a book about an amnesiac, 
it's quite a challenge. I had to write a character who knows nothing about herself because the type of amnesia that these people get is um, biographical, autobiographical amnesia. They know nothing about themselves. So this was a challenge I set for myself. And so I opened the book there. <laughs> we, are, we are with her in that moment. Uh, another feature of this kind of amnesia is that they suddenly, they, they might've been gone, they travel, and they don't remember anything until all of a sudden they become aware that they're somewhere, but they don't know anything. And this can be weeks, months, or years. Do, is, have there been cases of, well, I guess we wouldn't know if somebody was that way and they never were really found. Actually, yes, because sometimes people will recognize them and they'll be living completely new lives because all they could do was just live a new life. They just took, there was a woman named Jane D in Colorado. I, I hope she doesn't mind me talking about her, who, which she kept from Jane Doe. Yeah, they called her. She kept that and just began a new life. She never did remember, but then family members saw her. Um, I think on a website or doing a web thing. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, "You are so and so, who used to live in Vancouver." That would be so challenging to start a whole new life and live that way, and then have somebody come to you and say, "Oh no, but you're this person. This yeah. is your family." How fascinating! She lived in Alaska, and after she got to know them all, she moved back to. Vancouver, Portland. Area. I thought you were going to say she stayed in Alaska. She stayed in Alaska. That's why I get it now. <laughs> That's okay. Okay, we are diverting so much. I love it. Okay, I'll let you, Jenny, go ahead and, and share your reading. Okay. She became aware of a commotion behind her, yet it seemed important to keep scanning, searching for something out over the water, toward low mountains, a skiff of clouds. A bridge in the distance, familiar. And something else, something that shimmered on the periphery of what? The horizon? Her vision? No, her mind. Something she was looking for. Voices called out, the people behind her. Seagulls shrieked from the pier on the right. Just past them, the mass of tall ships creaked slowly back and forth, as though they'd been there forever, only she was just now seeing them. Hello? A distinct male voice, close. She tried to turn to see him, but her legs felt numb. No, they were cold, ice cold, dead legs. Was she dead? Where was she? What was this place? She looked down and saw dark water to her knees. She held high heels in one hand and shouldered a large purse that made her neck ache. Her skirt was wet at the hem. Excuse me, are you okay? Closer still. I don't know, she said, turning her head. That she could do, at least. The man waded toward her from the beach, wearing only a skimpy bathing suit and a black swim cap strapped beneath his chin. She tried to move away from him. Who was he? Why was he dressed like that? He was so exposed. His chest, his arms, his midsection, freckled and sun-weathered, a thick white scar on his abdomen she didn't want to see. Why was he so naked here with her? And then she noticed a crowd of people dressed similarly standing at the shore. Men and women, some in wetsuits, others in swimsuits, all with those black caps, all looking at her. I can't feel my legs, she admitted. I bet, he said. You've been in here nearly half an hour and the water's only 60 degrees. He stopped a few feet away. He seemed friendly, like someone's brother, maybe. Laugh lines creased his face, but his smile was tentative. Do you want to come out now? 
He looked at her in a way that said she really should, so she nodded. What's your name, he asked. She opened her mouth to tell him, but didn't know what to say. He waited closer, slowly, carefully, like someone would approach a hurt dog or a crazy person. Do you live around here, he asked, or did you come down from the cable car? Did he think she was crazy? She wished he would quit asking questions. It hurt inside trying to figure out how to answer. Her head throbbed now, or maybe it had all along. She let him come right up to her and take her by the arm. His hand was warm and his arm and body, and she realized she was freezing, even though the sun lit everything around them into a sharp, bright world she didn't know. Want to try to walk back to the shore, he asked, gently rotating her until they faced the crowd on the sand, a banner behind them that read Alcatraz Open Water Invitational. They were all going swimming, she guessed, all at once. Is she all right? Someone called. I think we better call 911, he answered. It's only my legs, she said. They're just so cold. I'll put my shoes back on. Okay, he said, slowly walking her toward shore. Let's keep moving. She slid her feet like blocks across sandpaper. They hurt now. Everything hurt now. Something was changing inside her, trying to speed up to catch the cog, but there were only broken gears grinding against each other. She wanted to turn back and stay looking across the water to find what she came for, but the man kept guiding her toward the crowd. Behind them were too many buildings, and behind those, a hill of more buildings. She looked up and saw letters against the sky. Ghirardelli. Oh, she would love some chocolate. A tall woman in a black swimsuit waited out and wrapped an arm around her shoulders as the man kept held of her arm. They were so warm. You're going to be okay, the woman said, but she wasn't sure. She heard a siren now and shuddered. An ambulance screamed down the pier next to the beach. Red lights, blue lights, such a horrible, loud sound. It hurt almost as much as trying to answer questions. She hated sirens, maybe the most of everything. Others rushed forward with towels, swaddling her inside them, taking her shoes and bag away from her. People in uniforms pushed through the crowd, insisting she lie on the sand. Yeah, that was good. She was exhausted. What's your name, they kept asking while checking her heart, her pulse, putting an oxygen mask on her face. Where's your ID? What day is it? Do you know where you are? Who's the president of the United States? Obama, she finally murmured into the mask. It was the only answer she had, and as good as it felt to know her president, it was nowhere near enough. Oh, that's absolutely beautiful and terrifying all at once. You. <laughs> <laughs> you mastered that. How astonishing. Did you talk to individuals? Like, because you did get to talk to just one person who had been through it. Yeah. And that thing about it hurting and the yeah. gears not being able to catch. Yeah. That was just really really telling you know that is very telling trying yeah because it reminds me of when I um talk to people I know people very close to me that have mental health issues and when they're having an episode their mind hurts their whole body hurts and their mind hurts you know depending on what kind of episode it is so that just makes me wanted to know if you would actually talk to somebody and gone through that experience so wow how wonderful so as we are recording this, I don't know if we'll still we'll still be in our COVID shutdown world, but if not, um, how will 
um, our listeners that are readers find out about what you're up to? Are you on social media? Kind of where are you at? You can find me on Facebook real easily. I actually have an author page and a personal page, and they're pretty much, it doesn't really matter. Um, so it's Jenny Shortridge Author or Jenny Shortridge. Awesome. Facebook. And then my website is just JennyShortridge.com. And mostly there you can find information about my books and send me a message. Fantastic. Sounds great. And so Jenny, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Listeners, here's your action item. Um, if you loved what you heard and you got Jenny's book off from listening to this, make sure you hit her up, um, message her on Facebook, email her, let her know you heard her on the podcast. It's so much fun when people get that information and they hear about it. I love to hear about it too. So um, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure. Um, I had a blast. And Hi, Vicki, you're awesome. And when you have another book out, we'll bring you back on. Take care. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did. Follow us on social media and sign up for our newsletter where you can be entered automatically each month to win a signed free copy of a book from an author that's appeared on the podcast. You can find out more at our website, www.squishpin.com. And finally, if you're an author in the Pacific Northwest and you would like to appear on the show, you can find out more on our website. So until next week, I hope you enjoy the journey. This is Vicki J. Carter signing off.